What is prison life really like? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make the show? Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Scheduled guest for today has written two books, Conviction and Deep Conviction, which is just about that subject, about uh, uh, the prison system, the injustices, the brutal brutality uh, uh, of the reality of living in a penitentiary. And since he's not here, let's take a time, uh, if you're really interested in this subject, I would suggest that you check out Bobby Caldwell's uh, podcast and website, Notes from the Pen. Uh, I do believe we have the URL here somewhere, Notes from the Pen. Show that. There you go. It's notesfromthepen.com. Uh, and Bobby is actually in prison right now, which is why, which is in the uh, claims the title of his podcast and his website, uh, and he's living that life now. And I believe he's in Michigan, one of them M states, Michigan. <laughs> anyway, uh, they do not have an early release program, which he would definitely uh, be up for if they did. But he talks about the reality of um, of the life behind bars from somebody who's actually living it now. Uh, so it doesn't get any more real than that. So uh, while we await my guest, uh, Shane Flemons, uh, who has written two books on that, I thought I'd mention that. I hope you check out Bobby's podcast. Very interesting podcast. Uh, was kind of um, made hip to the world by the one and only Doug Stanhope, who uh, features Bobby often on his podcast as a call-in guest. Um, and so I would suggest you check that out. That's all we have to say about that. Uh, looks like uh, Shane is trying once again to connect. Hello? Hello, is this Shane? It is. Hi, Shane. I guess we're going to have to uh, do this the old-fashioned way, like a uh, a um, phone interview, a, a, an audio interview, if that's okay with you. It doesn't seem like you're getting your camera or microphone on. So give the folks uh, a... Uh, a, the backstory of how you got into prison in the first place. So I, I was, I went fishing. I, I, I fished all sorts of um, jobs in Alaska ever since I was like 21 from crabbing to long lining to salmon. And this year I got on a really good boat and I, uh, a lot, lot of times people don't make it home fishing. I mean, it's, it's one of the deadliest jobs in the world. And it's not only just because of the weather, it's because the guys that you work with aren't as nice and sound as you think they might be. You know, if they want your money, they sometimes throw you over the boat and take your money. Um, anyways, we, uh, I got on a really good boat. I started working and getting things ready for the season. And one thing led to another, we go fishing and the guys were telling me I'm not going to make it home. And I said, I'm going to make it home. And, I made it home. Wow. Uh, so, but, but, uh, so exactly what happened that caused the, the, um, the charges? <laughs> well, here's the thing under the, 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 the statutes and the laws under the Washington and United States, you can't make any money off a of crime. 
which I agree to that. You shouldn't be able to make money off a of crime. However, in 10 years, I can be able to talk about that. That's the reason why I didn't write that in my books. Gotcha. I, I, I just don't want to get the legal principalities of all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to talk about that particular instance at the time. Wow. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately. Understood. Uh, that That's interesting because... As you, uh, be- while we were waiting for you to hook up, uh, I was uh, promoing uh, a somebody, an acquaintance I know from from other podcasters who've turned me on to him, a guy who's in prison who actually has his own podcast right now and has talked uh, pretty extensively about uh, the crime he's committed. I know he's selling merchandise on his podcast and stuff like that, but he's talked uh pretty extensively about what landed him in jail so i'm just surprised about that but we can move on uh well i'll talk about it if i'm allowed to i i was told i mean i I studied the law and they told me i can't i can't make anything off of the crime until 10 years is what they're saying well i don't want to put you in any jeopardy so we we can we can move past that i just uh um just wanted to know uh you know basically because I had had a previous guest on who did 19 years for a crime he did not commit. And I was just a, a trying to establish the fact that uh, whether you actually did, did something or, or in your mind, you're not guilty. <laughs> no, I, I can't say I'm not guilty. I, it wasn't for the reasons that was announced. I mean, there, the other guys did have weapons. It wasn't like, you know, um, they were on drugs. I mean, there was a lot of lot of issues that led up to the fight. Right. So, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, and you know what? I'm not perfect. I mean, I definitely not. And Nobody I wouldn't say is, I am. Friend. Nobody is. And I, I'm not judging you in any way. And I don't but, think my audience will. So I think you can realize. I hope that. not. <laughs> uh, I, I, do, do I do in, in a real life? Should I have got that much time? No. But at the same time, the judge knew the victim's dad. They were best friends, which. Oh, oh, that's a whole. Yeah. And you know what? The system before you even get in prison is very corrupt. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other program. And I understand that. Um, so let's just assume you did something. You were you were sentenced to 19 years, which is uh, a long, long time. I know you got nine years of that suspended. You did almost a full decade behind bars in two different states. Do I have that correct? It was almost a decade. Yes, it was. It was, uh, in, uh, first it was Alaska and it was pre-trial. And then we, throughout the, the, my, my travels, I got sent to Colorado Hudson. Wow. Okay. So tell, tell us, uh, what was, now I'm assuming you had never been in prison before that or never been in jail before that. I got in trouble a little bit here and there, but nothing. I mean, it was jail here and there in and out. i it, it just little stuff, but then this actually was the kicker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the first day in prison must have been pretty traumatic. And I, I, I you know, people who think about this, and I, I don't know why we would, but I have thought about it. What would what would it be like my first day in, in prison? And it, I, you know, traumatic, uh, scary. Uh, just something out of reality. What was it like for you, your first experience of prison life? It was scary because I didn't know anybody. And I, when I woke up, it was 
we'd been fishing, so I hadn't really slept very much. And so when I woke up, I asked the guards what I was being charged with, and they brought me the papers. And it was the papers were two hundred, like almost two hundred and forty years. So I was like, um. <laughs> so it was like I, I I cried, and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna see my kids or anything. But at the same time, I was like, well, I didn't do exactly what they're telling you know all this stuff but on paper it's it looked real bad i was like oh man so i put it in my heart already that i had a long fight ahead of me wow uh so um that was the holding cell though before trial right that was a little tiny holding cell i could touch my arms on the left and right and i the toilet was right next to me and they had cameras on me 24 7 oh my gosh uh, so not having that experience, that must've been a very frightful experience. And you had kid, you had kids at this time. You had, a, you were a family man. I did my, actually my son, it hurt me. I mean, all my kids I love. Um, but my, my son told me, he's like, he was begging me. He was six years old at the time. He's like, dad, please don't go. I'm like, kiddo. I said, I said, this is my last trip. Cause I've been fishing lots. And he goes, daddy, please no. And I was like, kiddo, I'll be back in 13 weeks. Okay. I promise. Wow. And, and I didn't talk to him for like three years. And then the first phone call, well, it was the second one. The first one, I couldn't even talk to him. I, I was just crying. I, my mom got on the phone. She goes like, what did you say? I said, I couldn't say anything. I, I, and then I talked to him three years later and I was more into tune and I was more down to earth. And I was like, he's like, dad, I go, yeah. He goes, 13 weeks is a long time. And he broke me again. I was like that little turd. Yeah. Uh, uh, sounds like a nightmare, my friend. Uh, so on, on your website, which I have, I'm going to pull up the banner for it so, so people can actually see it. Uh, it's shaneflemons.com. On your website, I started with, uh, a quote by Mandela saying, uh, you, you know, basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here that we judge, uh, we shouldn't judge nations by how they treat their most affluent citizens, but how they treat their lowest citizens, lowest citizens. And I know, uh, and it describes you as being one of those lowest citizens in America for that 10 years that you were in there. Now, uh, do you think, um, do you think, do you understand why a lot of people don't really care about, uh, prisoner life? They think, well, if you did something wrong to be in there, you did, it, it, it should be bad. Uh, it should be bad to make it a deterrent from people ever going to jail. Uh, but uh, and that's the outlook that most people have. Do you understand why most people don't really care about prisoners? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. I mean, I, I, I have a family that's never been arrested. They, they're, they're teachers and they're, they work for the state. And they, a matter of fact, my stepdad was a police officer and I, I grew up listening to the officers. They didn't downgrade the guys though. They were always, cause I was like probably six, seven, eight, nine. And I was listening. They always used to come over and play poker. And they used to talk about man, names, the same names though. They would say, Hey, I, I arrested so-and-so. And they're like, God, I wish you would change. I just remember them sitting at the table, smoking cigars, talking about how they wish those guys would change. So when I went in there, life on earth has changed. It's, um, started programming and I started going to school and I started getting guys, you know, um, um, I, I was literally pushing paper so the guys could get out of prison, which we got a lot of people out of prison wow. and some of them are doing, yeah, some of them are doing really well. So my time in there wasn't 
in trouble and I wasn't using drugs. I wasn't using alcohol. I was studying. I was even doing taxes for the guards and at one point. So I was pushing forward to be a better person. Well, good for you. And you, you came out of that and I understand you own two businesses and you're living a pretty, you're living pretty much the American dream at this point in life. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like that to me. So, uh, so good for you. Um, uh, so surviving that must have taken a lot of, uh, um, a lot of fortitude and a special kind of character to survive that because uh, as, as I was, you know, promoing Bobby, who, who has a podcast, uh, he often talks about uh, who he has, he has a, uh, a page on his website. Actually, it talks about how com- comedians would fare uh, because he's a, a, a comedian of sorts of himself, how comedians would fare in prison. And so, some of them wouldn't make it out. Uh, it, in your experience, did you see people who didn't make it? Yeah, you see it all the time. That's what that's what hurts the most. So, um, I didn't write this in my my book, but it's going to be in my next book. But I I was allowed to run things, so I was allowed to sell tobacco and marijuana, and I had a store in there. So I was literally one of the guys that uh um guys turn to for food for cigarettes for marijuana at the beginning and then i started realizing that's power at at, at, that first i didn't know that when i went in prison i knew nothing i didn't realize they were watching me i didn't i didn't know that they stalked me and who i was talking to and who i wrote to they i didn't know any of that well when you walk in those doors that's exactly what they do they want to know who you are what you are who's your family who you you know and i didn't know that and I think that's what helped me the most. And then later on, I started reading the Bible and I started loving Jesus. And obviously that I, I believe with all my heart that that kept me going. But um, the guys, some guys would try to get out of their gangs and they would get hurt real bad. Some guys would come in with broken fingers and broken arms and like beat up severely. Some got stabbed. And once that happens, you can't go to the, the chow line. So you're, you're locked up as soon as, as soon as the guards see everything gets shut down and they can't stand that and they lock everybody down and they go through every, and it's just, it's just a hassle. So the guys don't eat. So if you get hurt real bad, you don't go eat. So they would come to me. Well, I would start trying to help feed them. I would put my neck out for the guys that were trying to change and make a difference. But a lot of guys wouldn't let that happen. I mean, there, it's, it's a crazy world in there. Right. You say you were given this uh, authority to actually sell stuff, and it's, uh, you said marijuana, which I'm assuming, I know in Colorado it's been legal for a couple of years now. I don't know about Alaska. Was it illegal contraband, and you they, they were allowing you to sell? And who was they? Is Are you talking about, like, the guards or uh, the the prisoners? <laughs> well, both. So you you got to realize that not all not all officers are, are straight and narrow. Yeah. You, you got to realize that there's some bad, you know, black sheep in the white herd, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or flock, I should say. So anyways, the, some of the guards would literally bring the drugs in and they would give it to certain inmates. So certain inmates had that privilege of, you know, pulling the guard. It's called pulling the guard or, but they would, 
pay the people on the outside. They would get a hold of their people and their people would pay them. And then once they got their package, the officers would bring drugs into the facility. Well, once the drugs got in the facility, it would go to the person that, you know, whoever he was that pulled that guard and whatever it was that inmate could go and, you know, chop it up, make their sacks, you know, whatever it is. And then it would come to me. So even like, some of the biggest gangsters in the prison were giving me things and I was even their people had to come to me to get it, which I mean, at the time I was like, I didn't even want to do it. I mean, I was, I was forced to kind of do it. Um, one, one day the, the, the lifers are called lifers. And I don't know if you know what that is, but it's in my book. Um, it's called conviction. And anyways, you go in, the inmates block the cameras. So the, the inmates know where the camera like blind spots are. Right. So one inmate, one inmate would go and block this camera. And then a little bit later, he'd block this camera. So little did everyone know that the cameras were being blocked sequentially for a, a hit to happen. So the lifers blocked the cameras. I didn't know anything about it. All we hear is scuffle. That's all we hear. And we're, we're hearing it like loud, loud. It's, it's bad. Anyways, by the time it was done, it was a, it was a lifer that did it. And he went in a room and almost killed a guy. There was blood on the ceiling to the floor and just massacred the guy. And anyways, we get shut down and there's like yellow caution tape over the room for many days. Well, anyways, the guards were investigating and then they backtracked the cameras. They realized who blocked the first one. And then who blocked the second one? Well, it so happened to be all the, like the, the shot callers. Well, I'm in the mod with them for, for whatever reason that's in the, you know, that was in the beginning. This is about a year, year and a half into my, my time. I didn't realize they were watching me and all this kind of stuff, but, um, I was put into this tank and, you know, guys with 400 years were in there guys with 300 years were in there. I mean, it was, and it, it's not like the lower down here. If, if you, if you're a serial killer, you go into a cell by yourself and you wait to be, you know, executed up there. There's no, there's none. They walk around with you and you're, you're in cells with them. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's scary, it's... but that's the way, that's the way their systems ran. Wow. So I'm in there. I'm, I'm, I'm not running anything yet, but everyone knows me. I'm working. I'm going to classes now and, um, it takes time to get these classes. Oh, once you're there, it takes a long time to, because there's a lot of people ahead of you. So anyways, I'm, I'm in there, all the lifers, the guards come in and do a roundup. So all the lifers, the shot callers get taken out of the mod because they're the ones that did it. Right. Next thing you know, I am designated to open up a store and I'm like, so all my guys that I knew ran up to me, they're laughing and they're like patting me. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. You know, I'm like, um, thinking to myself, I'm good but I had no choice at the time. So now I am running a store. Now everybody in the mod, all stores got shut down except for mine. So now all stores or all the people come to me for food. And I was making a killing considering being in jail. <laughs> and so now I'm, I'm pulling in hundreds. I'm pulling in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And I'm like, so now I start helping others that are not as fortunate. And that's kind of how it got started. And then later on I started, uh, I was given more stuff and that's the way that went. <laughs> All right. 
So, wow, it, it seems uh, pretty, pretty um, different than most people's view of what prison life might be like. Uh, I understand that, you know, some guards may be corrupt. Is it, is it, would you say it's a high percentage of, of guards who were uh, working both sides of the street? It depends on what prison you're in. Um, it, it really is. Uh, Alaska, it's, it's, it's slim because the guards get paid so much. I did the guards taxes and they're pulling in a hundred and something thousand a year for, and they only work six months a year. So you got to realize a hundred thousand dollars for six months a year is really good money. Definitely. It's not, and, and in Alaska, there's not a whole lot of stuff you can spend that. Well, I guess you can get boozed up. I mean, I know drinking yeah. is a big thing in Alaska. Well, it's, it's huge, but you got to realize everything's so expensive up there. Like, um, I don't drink anymore, luckily, but when I was up there, pitchers of beer were 20, 25 bucks. And that was wow, 18 years ago, 18 years ago. So when I first went up there, they were 18 bucks. You could get a pitcher of Hefeweizen for like 18, 20 bucks. Holy and that was, and that was 20 years ago, 20 something years ago. Well, it's like, it's still like the gold rush days or something. I I don't know what <laughs> last frontier, man, last frontier. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Um, so is there a death penalty there? Because you, uh, it, it occurs to me that if somebody's in jail for life and there's no death penalty, they have nothing to stop them from killing somebody in jail. Right. If and you, it, it happens. Yeah. There's that, that's the, this is the, that's the exact thing. They're, they have nothing to lose. Wow. So I, I, I met a guy, which I wrote about in my book. His name's Joshua Wade. I didn't know he was a killer at the time. I mean, I knew he was in jail for it, but I didn't know he was more than what no one knew. So this guy, I wrote about him in my book. Um, he was a serial killer, which nobody knew, but the the first time ever in the history of Alaska, they were going to execute somebody, and it was him. Well, what happened was he took a girl, took her life, first and he got away with it but they couldn't prove it okay so he got away years later he took another girl's life and went and used her bank card and that brought in the feds once that was brought in the officers on the lower standard poll told you know hey there's another one and so the feds told him hey we're gonna execute you if you don't you know man up to this one so he, he thought about it and thought about it so he told the truth on that one they dropped the death penalty on him i was in seward when he showed up anyways he was marked for a hit they were going to take him out like literally they, i mean as soon as he hit the yard he was going to be executed wow. um I'm, i was like holy crap i'm like you know I'm, I'm sitting to him next to him on the phone and talking to him in the mod you know in anchorage and all he cared about was his music he's like i care about nothing but my music i'm like okay but this is you know year later when i see him on seward so anyways he he gets sent to seward and he goes to the pc he he's locked up in his cell you know all by himself but the guys are trying to take him out i'm like holy crap i mean it's scary to me i mean i'm, I'm in there and i'm like listening and watching i'm like ah, you know i mean it's it's scary stuff so but no one knew he had killed tons more people. No one knew this. Wow. So he's in isolation 
which you can read about him. He's in my book. The the part, you know, part, this is in my book. Um, he eventually, I get out. He's still PC'd up. Well, what's the one thing you can do to get out of the Alaska system? You can come forward and say, you know what? I killed so-and-so and I killed so-and-so and I killed so-and-so. Um, I want to move. Anyways, he's, he's, he's definitely not in Alaska no more, but he's one of the most troubled inmates. I mean, he's caused so much trouble. I, I don't know where, like, I don't know if he's got him locked up now or not, but he's caused a lot of problem in the States down here. Wow. Did you get to really know this person? Like know him as like a friend, like somebody, <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it like that, like a friend, cause it doesn't seem like he could possibly be friends with anybody being a serial killer, but did you get to know him on a personal level and really know him every day wow every day i was locked up with him i don't know I, I think i was in that mod i got transferred like 20 something times so but i was in the mod probably i don't know a few months and we talked a lot he was he was more of a he's social i mean he's social but he was you wouldn't you couldn't tell what, I mean, was he a, a badass? Was did he, you know? Yeah, yes. I'm yeah, big and strong, or just uh, just tough? he's big and strong. Really? Wow, that's the scariest shit I ever heard of. <laughs> was was uh, is he a, like uh, and I don't even know what they call him cellmate, uh, bunkmate. <laughs> uh, that's he has him. I mean, he had him. I mean, it, that's the thing. I mean, if you could look it up, there there's other guys that have been in there that's killed their inmates. I mean, killed other inmates. I've oh. I've talked to him. It's it's crazy. They don't have death row. That's what I'm saying. It's it's the craziest thing in the world. Wow. Uh. So yeah. So it's got to be frightening. So I. Uh. Is it because we get uh you know lied to, confused by the movie uh portrayal of it? Is it uh are you fastening shivs from day one and always have to have like protection on you no matter where you go? A lot of guys do. There's a lot of knives in there. Yeah. Um, I met a, I met a hitman, and that's his pet peeve was knives. He had them laid out. He, I mean, I didn't ask him where, but I mean, we had conversations and this isn't in my book either, but he and I became, you know, pretty close friends. Um, but he was a hitman in Alaska and he took a few people out and he got away with one or two, but he, he, he looked at me and says, you know, his first one was down in the lower 48 and, um, that's when he knew he had it in him. And I was like, scary, but he, 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 uh, he tried to go after another shot caller and a lot of things happened after that. I mean, it was another gangster because he was drinking. I mean, there's alcohol, there's drugs. I mean, there's everything you can imagine inside. Um, but even girls, I mean, there was, there was definitely girls getting pregnant and all that kind of stuff. And, but, um, he, he went after another shot caller and he got him and I became even better friends. Cause he had to come to my mod for a while. Cause he was kind of PC'd up. Um, but it, it showed he had no, he didn't care. He would, you know, he, he would definitely do it again. Holy moly. Uh, All bad. Yeah. Um, did you, did you encounter anybody in there? who not only claimed innocence, but you believed they were innocent and were wrongly convicted. I did. I met a couple people. I mean, they're not a couple, a lot of guys would get arrested for things that they did not do, but they'd, they'd done other things. And I don't think that's right either way. I think if you, 
you know, if you if you're out there stealing cards, you shouldn't get in trouble for a bank robbery if you didn't do the bank robbery. Sure, of you know, right. you should get arrested for you know taking a car if you're taking a car. You shouldn't get in trouble. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of guys that are out there doing like stupid crap, and they would like the police officer would would arrest them for something else higher up, so you know they can get their stars instead of going after the person that actually committed the the real crime if that makes sense yeah it does it's it's and that's kind of uh it's a bad thing yeah i had a the guy i had on the show was who was convicted of murder he was uh coerced into a false conviction uh and they they cops knew he didn't do it they they made him confess to a crime a murder a double murder uh, that he, they knew he didn't do. They knew in advance that DNA did not match, and they and he was 16 years old, and they just, you know, whatever you can do to a 16 year old kid, threaten him, scare him. That's crappy, though. Yeah, that's super sad. Those guys, those, those police officers, should be convicted and go to jail, just like you. You would hope, but yeah, like that's normal. Like you said, the whole system, right from the judge to every everybody, even the DA knew knew about it, and it, it, the whole system was corrupt. That's a whole other program, and it's something we we need to fight. Now, uh, before we we'll talk about it, what, how do we work on reform? I got to because you you paint a picture of a lot of really scary guys there. Were there people like who were in there for marijuana possession or some like really um, petty little crime? but in there with these dangerous dudes. Yes. Matter of fact, I, I, I wanted to write that in my next book. There was, there was guys. So there's a movie, I think it's called 14 below. I think it was, uh, it, it's, it was Nicholas cage, I believe, but he, uh, there was, his name was butcher Baker, Bob Baker. He was infamous for hunting women. He would, he, he was super rich. He was a businessman. He was very, very handsome. He had, a wife, he had kids. No one would ever suspect that this guy was a serial killer. So anyways, he's out there. He would go up on the strip and pick up these girls. He would rape them, torture them, and then take them out in his plane and then hunt them. And so you got this type of person, which he had, I think, three or four, maybe 500 years. And he killed, I don't know how many people. And then you have a guy that gets a DUI and he was in the same place. Wow. Wow, and he would be in, and and possibly be in the same cell. Holy crap! And so, um, that you know, that's got to be ex- not just traumatic. And some some of these guys, um, I hate to kind of generalize, but some of these guys who haven't been in trouble, they're probably not all that good at t- at uh, defending themselves. Uh, when you see somebody, because uh, you don't really learn to defend yourself by by driving around drunk. I mean, that's not. <laughs> So uh, if you get put in a cell with a guy who's like a, you know, a real badass who's in there for multiple assaults, murder, whatever, um, you got to learn to take care of yourself pretty quickly or you're probably going to end up dead or very broken, right? Both. Yeah. Do they, you do, can be both. Do they, do they kind of, um, is it like a predatory thing? The day they, they, day they arrive, uh, people like kind of scope them up as who's the punk and who's, who's, who can take care of themselves and who, who, who I can push around and manipulate. That's the thing. Uh, when I didn't know that though, when I, I mean, I've been to jail and you know, I know everybody, you know I mean? So it's, it's not like, you know, I, I walk in and I went to school with the guy or I met somebody at a, you know, a bar and you know, Hey, what'd you get in trouble for? Oh man, I got a DUI or what, 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 yeah, man, I, 
I fell asleep at the wrong, I got in the wrong car, you know, something stupid. Just, I mean, nothing like, Hey, I just went and robbed a, a bank or, I mean, nothing like that. Right. So when, when I got in there, I was in there with the worst of the worst of the worst because it was the maximum security prison in Alaska. But I didn't know this. And then my first cell was exactly what you just said, a predator or a prey. They put you in there and determine where you're going to go in the, the facility. Wow. I was like, well, I'm definitely not no predator. I mean, I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm, I'm not a hustler. I'm, I'm horrible at it. I, uh, I'm not a guy that walks around with knives and shanks and I'm, I mean, I never ever did. I even think about it. Um, so I'm in there and within the first, I think two weeks after I was, I was classified as a predator. I'm like, good golly. So I went to the baddest tank, the, the gladiator mod, and that's how it all started. So, and that's exactly what they do. Just like you said, you, you were, uh, and I, um, uh, I'm assuming here, but I think it's a correct assumption. You were uh, pretty adapted taking care of yourself because you had been on these fishing boats and, and dealt with some bad guys before. So you, you are pretty good at defending yourself. I imagine, right? Well, there's, I'll, I'll assure you, there's a lot, a lot of tough people in there. I mean, there's some bad boys in there. I imagine that too. I imagine that to be true. So now the greatest fear that anybody has about going to prison, I don't know if it's the greatest one because death is obviously worse, but <laughs> uh, uh, the rape and uh, sexual abuse that goes on in there is that, um, is the movie uh, t telling of that, you know, the film kind of rendition of that fear, is that accurate? It's very accurate. I mean, guys, guys would, guys would give it up for, you know, money and all that. I mean, there was that going on, but then there was some guys that, uh, there were some mean guys in there that would beat you up and take it. I mean, that's, that's a guaranteed fact. Wow. Wow. Uh, and the guards do nothing to, because the guards are corrupt, right? Some, some guards care about you. Some, some guards literally like some guards, you as an individual, which you didn't know, you could give them a hundred thousand dollars to make sure this program runs right. And very few of them will put that hundred thousand dollars to that program. Right. But the rest of them would take about 60,000 and put 40,000 and they would go and high five you. Hey, how are you doing, man? That program's going good. I need a hundred thousand, you know? Yeah. Were you ever suspect of the guards because you were given this privilege of running the store? Were you suspect that you were being set up to get more time? Like, you know, you serve them for a while, you become an asset, you're making them money. Um, maybe we want to keep you in here. And so when you get close to your 10 years, this is the way my mind would be thinking if I were, if I were given that opportunity. You get close to your 10 years and they're going to find something to keep you here longer because you're making the money. Did that ever cross your mind? No, because I didn't have any part in that. They, the other guy, I, I did. I actually had a guard. I, I pulled a guard on accident one time. And my, the, the people that I hung out with seen it. And I go to my room and they, 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 they were like right there. They were patting me on the back again, which that's like the birds and the bees type. You know, you got the good guy. You got the good, you know, the bad guy. Your conscious say, hey, Shane, it's a bad idea. And you, hey, go for it. Hey, bad idea. Go for it. So, and I was like thinking, I was like, man, I can't do this. Because, I mean, I was, it, it was just one of those things where they seen and I didn't do it intentionally. And so I went straight to my room and they were right there. And I had, 
I had the bad guys <laughs> telling me, Shane, let's do this. And then myself and my good guy was like, Shane, that's a bad idea. So, um, but it's, 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 there's a lot of, there's corrupt and there's very good, but it's scary. Cause if you don't know and you trust somebody and he's corrupt, that's how you get in trouble. Right. But, but I never thought I, I, I would ever, cause I didn't, I didn't take part in that. I just took it from the inmates and the other inmates were making all the money. So I didn't, I didn't have to worry about any of that. Gotcha. Uh, is it like the, uh, old time movies where you have a calendar on the wall and you're crossing off one day at a time? <laughs> no, I, I had, I had <laughs> once, as soon as I hit my paperwork at the very beginning, when it said 240 years, I blocked it all out. And I was like, I, I put it in my heart as, as soon as I seen that I put it in my heart I was like okay and I I didn't realize I was gonna you know meet God later on but he 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 helped me through so let me let me understand this now was your family in Alaska or Colorado neither I didn't have anybody so all my phones were blocked as soon as I got arrested I went to try to make a phone call and Every single one of my phone calls, my mom, my sister, my brother, I couldn't call anybody. And I was scared. I was like, I was in Alaska. I'm, I'm looking at 240 years and I can't even make a phone call. Oh I'm like, my okay. God. So it was all bad. <laughs> um, uh, but obviously I think your, your story is probably different than most, uh, people who are behind bars in that. Uh, I shouldn't say that I'm, I, but I would imagine it, it, it's different than a lot of people because uh, most people go to, to jail in their home state where their family is pretty, uh, at least somewhere in the state, right? It helps. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. If you have family somewhere, it helps. If you have nobody, it's, it's heck. It's all bad. So how did your family find out what happened to you? They must have been like, what, you know, missing in, in, in action uh, off a fishing boat? Or what were, what were they thinking? So in Alaska, um, everybody has scanners and they have satellite phones and they have uh, uh, like CBs type thing. So as soon as that happened, I, I, I made the guys call the Coast Guard. I made the skipper call the Coast Guard. I was like, call the coast guard and he wouldn't for a little while but eventually i i got on the i got on the skiff and i i started calling out for the coast guard mayday mayday and then he jumped on and started saying mayday mayday then he started giving the longitude and latitude so i hung up the 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 one in the the, the skiff but as soon as that went out every fisherman every family member that had because they care about their families i mean a lot of them do, and they want to know where their husband's at, where their kids are at, where's their, you know, because a lot of people die out there, and it, 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 I mean, it can get real bad real fast, so all you hear is mayday, mayday, wherever you're at, and everybody's on that, so as soon as that happened, everybody in the whole, whole city of Kodiak knew that that happened, so when I got brought into the dock by the, the police, there was people already on the docks looking at me. And so I was like, Oh, this isn't good. Which technically if you're already guilty before, you know, anything. So I was like, I mean, I already knew, I mean, I, it already went through my head. Okay. I see how it's going. Wow. And then later on, I find out that the judge is literally best friends with the, one of the dads. I'm like, well, that didn't help. 
even yeah. the brother told me even the, the the stepbrother i met the stepbrother is like shane you don't have a chance i go why he goes my dad or he's like what well, you know i don't want to say his name but the victim one of the victims his dad is best friends with the judge i said do you serious he goes they go fishing they go hunting all the time uh, i was like Ugh. wow did you have a, a lawyer or were pro bono lawyer I had a pro bono. So when, when I got arrested, you <laughs> got hopeless. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't very good. Hey, so you asked a question about my family. So when I got arrested, little did I know I was that, that CB thing got transferred over to Anchorage. And then it, I was on the news here in Washington. I was all over the news and it said all this stuff that wasn't true. So I didn't know this though. So I'm in my cell about two weeks later, I'm starting to get mail from people that I knew. They're like, Shane, I know it didn't happen like this. How's, how are you doing? And I was like, man. So then I, right then I knew that, uh, that everybody knew that I'd been arrested, but no one heard the real story yet. But wow. I was still locked up in that little cell for, I think I was in it for like two months all by myself. And it was not fun. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, but in that, in that holding area where, where you were awaiting trial, did, did you have a cellmate or were you in there alone? No, they kept me all by myself. They, they, they kept me so isolated that they had a camera on me 24 seven and I didn't get to hang out with anybody. Now, a, a Kodiak is just like a holding cell. So anybody and everybody that gets arrested in Kodiak, if you go past that stage and the, you go to Anchorage. So I had to fly from Kodiak to Anchorage numerous times, I think four or five times. And then but after I got, you know, everyone knew truth of what happened. I mean, I started meeting all their friends and they're like, Shane, I would have thrown them over the boat. And I'm like, dude, I'm not like that. So they started telling the truth. And anyways, I, I, uh, I get to Kodiak one time I flew in there for, for one of the, the, the hearings and the, the staff comes up and goes, Hey Shane, can you keep an eye on this drunk kid? I go, what do you mean? They knew I was no threat. So anyways, they took me out of my cell and I go, yeah, I can keep an eye on him all night long. Da, 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 da. This kid talked. He was 21. He, I don't know what the heck he got in trouble for. I don't remember. I think it was a uh, disorderly conduct. So anyways, for the next five hours, I had to listen to this drunk 21 year old, which was fine. And they, and then they moved me back over there. They're like, Hey, thanks. I said, yeah, you're welcome. So, so that was just one of those things from that perspective. And I know this is a tough thing because isolation and, and you know, solitary is, is brutal on the psyche. But from that perspective, is it better to be alone and uh, isolated from other people or to be in an area where you're locked in with a bunch of scary uh, potential serial killers, murderers, rapists and, and whatnot? Uh, you know what? It depends on your your your, your mindset. Um, there's guys that have been in the hole for 15, 16, 20 years and they're, they're, they're fine. Wow. There's guys that there, there's guys that were in there for three days that took their own life. So it's, it all depends on your mindset and what, what the motive is behind your, each individual. Right. What did you learn from your experience about how we can make, uh, the prison system better. It's, it's the staff. It's, it's who's running each program, who's running the facility, who's, who are the guards, 
Um, are the, the legislators and the governors using the money accordingly, which in my book, it, it shows that they're definitely not, but us as an individual, if, if, if I was institutionalized, which one of the guys told me, which is he's in one of my books, I haven't wrote about this part of it, but he, he, he went, I mean, he was in prison with me. He'd seen day to day that I was doing the right stuff. I was trying to do the right stuff. I was programming. I was going to school. I was trying to get guys out and he was, he was robbing. He was raping. He was sending drugs in. He got in trouble for that, but they would let him out. He would beat somebody up. He would get another charge. He would get in and he would get out as I was continuing to do good. And they would keep like advancing him. It was almost like a setup for failure. And one day we were at a, we were at, we were in a room and I was with, you were mentioning one of the guys that um, is a rapes and stuff. Well, one of the guys I was in there with, he was infamous for knocking people out and taking their backside. Wow. He was a big, mean, ornery black guy. And he, he, he did a lot of, uh, he would, he would friend you and befriend you and you would wake up and your pants would be down around your ankles and you'd be sore. So by the grace of the good Lord, he never did that to me, but I, I, I was in the cell with him and the other guy and, and in front of everyone, he's like, Shane, you're the reason why we don't change. And I, I mean, there's nothing I could say. I was like, yeah, no, I said, I got to keep doing good though. I mean, I, I, and he looked at me, but I mean, he, that's how my book got started. I, I wrote, some stuff about him and he he's he's a bad dude i think he was one of the biggest drug dealers in one of the cities in alaska and he did some bad things that guy told him one day i was like dude you made me lose sleep you're a creep and he laughed but anyways i i started writing my book and i had like probably i don't know 15 20 pages at the time and i wrote i started writing about him because he showed up at the prison i was at and i ran into him numerous times anyways i wrote probably three or four pages about him and I made it look nice. I mean, I, I, I got it in paragraph form and I corrected the spelling and I gave it to him and my book blew up. It flew off every, he went to everybody and everyone was reading it and they were kind of, Hey, write about me. Hey, write about me. So from then on, every single inmate started telling me all their stories from good to bad. And I was like, Holy moly. And I mean, I heard some doozies. Wow. Do you still stay, stay in touch with some of those guys? Some of them I do. Wow. Some of them are actually, uh, one of the, one of the cold cases in Alaska, one of, um, I talked to him the other day. He's, he's him and I talk on the phone and actually there, I, I talked to a few of them, but, um, and I even talked to guards. I, him, there, there's guards that I talked to. He, him, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I was doing good while I was in there. So, a lot of the guys like me, luckily. Luckily, yeah. Uh, did they have an early release program where you were, or not for good behavior or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, but they didn't allow me to have it. They said I did too good, so they kept me in as long as they possibly could. Huh. <laughs> oh my god! I, uh, matter of fact, I, I signed up for ankle monitoring, which I was eligible for, and I. They said you weren't supposed to do what I did, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have my sister do it. So I, so I, I had them file a ankle monitoring packet because to get ankle monitoring you have to do good i mean you have to show progress you have to prove that you are able to succeed inside without any trouble without da 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 
and I had every program already. I listened to the judge. I listened to the pre-sentence report. I had all of it. I mean, I was like, one of the guards says, you're probably the one of most in, most prominent inmates that ever walked out of these doors. And that was like a couple years into it. And I was like, well, thanks, you know? And so I was like, okay. So I, I had them do their, do their ankle monitoring packet. Well, I, I got all my stuff, you know, I got my ducks in my, you know, ducks in a row. I sent it to my sister. I was like, Hey sis, here's an ankle monitoring packet. Send that to him. So I sent truth. All I did was send truth. I had it within four days, Wow. but they found out and they, I got a call. I had everything set up. And then the other, uh, I, I got, uh, uh, another probation hearing, which I have paperwork on it. And they added like 10 points to my thing. And they said, I have to take this class. And I was like, that's illegal. I go, I haven't even taken the, anyways, there was, there was, there was some foul play. And I, I kept plugging through. I was like, all right, you're not going to give me ankle monitor right now. I'll do exactly what. And then once I took that test, it showed I didn't need it. And then I applied again. Anyways, it was, it was one of those things where I, I mean, I made it out. I did pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, making it out, I think, is an accomplishment, is it not? It's <laughs> making it through the system. Um, so uh, there are more than 2 million people in jail right now, in prison right now I, I make the distinction between jail and prison because jail is generally i think of like a holding cell or a, you know a, a precinct cell or something like that where uh penitentiary prison is uh the real you're you're in there doing significant time more than two million people uh and i think a lot of them um should not be in with rapists and murderers a lot of them are are you know harmless uh victimless crime prostitution uh marijuana possession things like that um did you do you have any insight into do we need more prison separate prison do we need prison like really um minimum security i know they have those minimum uh, maximum and all kind of stuff but we do we need to kind of separate prisons from uh the guys who are just in there for really and shouldn't probably be in prison at all uh men and women who probably should not be in prison from the prisons that have these guys who are just like as you described pretty much monsters you know there are monsters and a lot of the monsters like when i was locked up and i was writing my book i was and all that you know i mean great gangsters like some of the meanest gangsters and i read some of their paperwork and the judge said you have some of the most disturbing charges i have ever seen and you know the judges said this and these guys came up to me and telling me the stories but a lot of them broke down i mean a lot of them started crying and they knew they were doing wrong, but they continue to do wrong. Wow. But the, but the thing is they don't have people to help try to change that. Right. I mean, that you have your guards and you have the people saying, Hey, I'm going to, but they know who's betraying who. Right. So it's all about punishment and not about rehabilitation because they, they frame prison as if it's supposed to help rehabilitate people. But did you, did you see anybody who kind of, was rehabilitated and, and, and changed their life for better by going to prison. Yeah. I mean, I literally watched people break down, get out and still doing good. I got letters from some guys like saying, Hey, I'm doing great. I'm working on da, 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 da. I mean, well, I was at one prison. That's good. And yeah. I, you know, I was at one prison 
And, you know, I, I was doing pretty good and we were doing GEDs. I was a GED instructor in one of my jobs. I was working like three jobs and taking programs, but um, a lot of the guys were going to school. They were literally getting their GED. They were going to class every day and they were graduating. They were literally getting their GEDs and schooling so they could better themselves for their, their families. Good for them. Yeah. Um, so now Conviction has been out, right? Uh, and you have you've written another book called Deep Conviction. Is that out yet? It's out. Okay, so both books it, are- it, it made Amazon's top thirty-two. Okay, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and you did it without any tricks, right? No tricks. Yeah, cause I know that uh, we just had this discussion. I had a, an author on last night about uh, some of the trickery that goes on with pushing Amazon stuff to the bestseller list, uh, which uh, I don't, you know, in, in any system, people are going to find a way to rig it, right? Um, That's wrong, though. I know it is. I know it is. It, it, and it, it, I said, you know what, with all of, 20 million books being written every year or something now and, and published on Amazon, they can't all be bestsellers. I mean, there's so many of them that, <laughs> you know, um, no. So, um, no, I mean, I literally, I have like lots of like compliments. Matter of fact, the, the city where I live in, um, some of the top officials read my books and allowed the kids to have them. So I would think so. I would think it would be important for young people to understand if, if only as a deterrent, uh, and I'm sure you never envisioned your life going that way. And, and spend, no, yeah. And, but it's, I think it's more important in, more than ever in, in the times we live in to kind of give kids a sense of reality and that some bad decisions can, can really ruin your life in ways that, you, you know, you think it was only in the movies and I, and, that's I keep coming back to that movie stuff because we tend to think of that only happens to people in the movies. That's not never going to happen in my life. I'm never going to go to prison. <laughs> I've heard it a million times, and I look at them. I go, it can happen. Yeah, it can happen. It can happen to good people. Good people it can can. Make, can make one bad decision and end up in hell. Uh, um, matter of fact, some of my reviews in my book saying that my my stuff is so good it it, it beats the orange is the new black. Wow, very good. Well, there's uh, well, speaking of that, the guest I had on who was wrongly convicted, his the name of his movie is Conviction, <laughs> and there was a it, it was a similar movie that Hillary Swank was in called Conviction. So uh, I think there's a plethora of titles with the word Conviction. So we might think of something else now. Deep Conviction, you had Conviction out. What what uh, what 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 was the reason that you followed up with Deep Conviction? What did you leave out of the first book that required a second book well i i literally when i was writing my book i was just going to write about just gel i was just going to write about my life behind bars and that's what i was that's what i called it at first i was like my life behind bars i'm just going to write about and i know people would like it i mean especially with what you know happened and what went you know true stuff i mean i, I was like well it's going to sell pretty good yeah but then once i got out and i i called uh i get i i met a a reporter and she was in the military. She used to fly planes. So her and her husband, one was a GI Joe and one was a GI Jane and they got married. And I, I'm, I have a landscaping slash general contracting business and I get a phone call, which I didn't know who they were. And they were like, Hey, my yard's getting messed up by these contractors. I was like, okay, well, I didn't know who they were. And I show up at their house and the contractors were there and they explained it. And I seen what they were doing. I was like, Hey, don't do that. I go, that's, it's going to, I said, you're calling anyways, by the end of it, 
I made their yard probably, I don't know. I mean, it's super nice. I mean, that yard was a transformation from sloppy mud to two beautiful retaining walls, concrete pad with the mortar stairs. I mean, it, it very, very, very nice. Well, she was a writer and she wrote for big, huge companies. She's like, Shane, I'll, 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 I'll write your books. She was like super intrigued. And anyway, she, she wrote. So she's like, I can't get it in book form though, but I will get you all the way to that point. So she wrote and we were still friends. I got a, uh, but all my stuff from that point was life behind bars. And then I started talking to people and they're like, no, wait a minute, you're going to write a whole story. I said, huh? So when I wrote my first book, that was when I was in prison. So I just published that one. And then basically what it was, was me going to Kodiak when you asked me at first, Hey, you know, why'd you get in trouble? And then it went to me going to Anchorage and then back to Kodiak, da, 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 da. And then I end up in Seward and then I stopped the book. And then I wrote the other one. Okay. Once I was in Seward, I went back to Anchorage, da, 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 da. And then I went back to Seward and then I stopped the book. So the next book is going to talk about the guys that I met again and again, and then more about my life. Wow. But cool stuff. Well, I wish you great success and I thank you for coming uh, on today and sharing your story. I, I think uh, it's an important story and people need to hear it. Now, ShaneFlemons.com is where you're going to find it. Can they buy the books directly there? Or do you have to go to Amazon? No, you can go to, uh, you can go to ShaneFlemons.com. You can, it has a, it has a, a memoir and an autobiography about the books or you can get them on Amazon. You can go to uh, Amazon and look up conviction and deep conviction by Shane Flemons. And, or you can get them. There's a couple stores out that you can get them from too. I haven't went and tried to get them in anymore, but I went to three bookstores and all three of them took them and they're selling. Cool. Uh, well, uh, the links are all be in the description. Make things easy for people. Uh, Shane, I I really appreciate your time here. I guess it's safe to say you won't be going on any uh, uh, fishing expeditions uh, for 13 weeks at a time uh, anytime soon, right? No, I went again, though. I went three more times since then, and I, I saved a couple more lives, and I think I'll be done fishing now, though. Wow. Uh, well, that's a whole other story in itself that uh, we'll have to uh, have you back and hear about uh, saving lives out fishing sometime. But uh, I would love to come back. Uh, well, you're welcome to come back. Maybe we can get the technical stuff worked out in the meantime. But I do appreciate you you uh, being a trooper and, and, and doing it this way because I do feel like it, it's an important story to get out there. And I thank you for your time today. And uh, thanks for coming and have a great day. Bye for now. Thank you very much. God bless. Bye. Shane Fleming, folks, uh, are doing it by phone, old school way. I hope you enjoyed that program. I hope you uh, got something out of it. Once again, I want to mention uh, Bobby Caldwell's Notes from the Pen podcast. If you want to hear from a guy who's living that life right now, check out Bobby's uh, podcast. It's notesfromthepen.com, uh, just one N in pen, as in like writing notes in the pen. Uh, and so... Um, Basically, uh, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you tell your friends about it. Come back and subscribe and all that kind of stuff. Tonight at 8 p.m., who do we have? Johnny, uh, 8 p.m., we have tonight, I'm lost, Richard Stone, who's written a book called uh, Story Intelligence. He's a, a no Nova uh, consultant on, you know, science or no, but we're going to talk all about story intelligence and the importance of uh, storytelling in 
in business and life and all that kind of stuff. That's at 8 p.m. tonight. I hope you'll join me then. Until then, I'm Matt Apple from Mind Dog TV Podcast. It's been a blast. Hope you have a great rest of your day and bye for now.
Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. 